Hello, my name is Melissa Pacey, Principal with HGA Architects. In addition to hosting this podcast series, I'm also on the Leadership Council for Cornet Northern California, and I'm co-chair of our Young Leader Group. I also serve on the Communications Committee. Today, I'm here with Jay Scholl, Senior Vice President at CBRE and our current chapter president. Hi, everyone. We are here to introduce the 2017 CRE Award Honorees Podcast. And we are also extremely excited to celebrate the first anniversary of our podcast series. We launched the podcast at this time last year with Melissa's guidance. Our goal was simple, to expand our knowledge offering by providing members with relevant content. We knew that we wanted to do a few podcasts during the course of the year, and I have to say, the series exceeded all of our expectations. Kudos to you, Melissa, and thank you for your hard work and leadership. It has been my pleasure. This past year, we completed six podcasts, and we learned a ton. We learned about the dynamics between our guests. We learned a lot about recording. And I think the thing that was most impactful was all of the feedback that we received from listeners. I really want to thank everyone out there for all of the tips and uh, things that you've asked for us to include, because I think it's really enriched the podcast and made it what it is today. Additionally, this year, we will offer our member companies a chance to sponsor podcasts. We've received several inquiries from member companies interested in being part of this successful program. So stay tuned for details on that. Yes, in addition to being an educational member benefit, the podcast program will also be a revenue generating program that will further strengthen the financial well-being of our chapter. As Jay mentioned, we're still in the process of developing that plan. Last week, we celebrated our 20th annual Cornet Northern California Corporate Real Estate Awards with a spectacular gala at the famed St. Francis Hotel on Union Square in San Francisco. Today, we will feature a conversation between our two distinguished honorees, Bill Roberts and Michael Caslow. Melissa, take it away. Joining us today are Michael Caslow, President of Client Solutions, Global Occupier Services at Cushman and Wakefield, and Bill Roberts, former Vice President of Real Estate Strategy and Transformation at Hewlett Packer Enterprise, now with Cushman and Wakefield. Today, they'll be sharing their thoughts on leadership and some of the trends impacting corporate real estate. Bill, let's start with you. Maybe you could share a little bit about your new role and tell us what you've been up to. Sure. Thanks, Melissa. So, yeah, I was uh, a longtime uh, CRE leader in HP, particularly working on strategy and planning. And I've taken a new role at, at Cushman and Wakefield to try and, and uh, provide more of a, uh, that kind of strategic peer-to-peer -peer relationship working with clients on their strategic plans and understand how to translate their business strategies into real estate plans and to how to marshal all the resources of Cushman and Wakefield to bring to bear on those problems from a client perspective solving business problems. That's fantastic, thank you. Michael, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your role? Sure, um, I lead our global uh, business development team for Global Occupier Services. So I have um, a core team in the US as well as in Asia and Europe that work with our operating units um, and our prospective clients to develop the right solutions for um, what their current challenges may be. Thank you both so much for being here. Let's get started. Bill, let's start with you. What do you think are the most important leadership qualities for corporate real estate professionals today? Well, one of them is, is communication, is helping the organization better communicate. And it's really being able to understand someone's point of view, be it a senior leader or somebody on your team, and being able to translate that back to them, to, to put whatever 
proposals or ideas back in their language that they can best understand. So as a leader, helping people develop those skills and see and understand how to get a better understanding of, of the audience's needs, their language, their frame of reference to be able to be more effective at conveying your, your recommendations or plans. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Michael, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I would add, I would add to it um, something related to the communications. Maybe it's sort of a, a fine tuning of that, but it's about the power, developing the power of persuasiveness. Um, and you might call it salesmanship, but I really would prefer to call it persuasiveness. And when I look back um, at all the different roles within our industry, uh, not just business development roles, but people who are in corporate real estate seats, uh, people who are working and running accounts for an outsourced provider, whatever it may be, the, the ability, there is a huge portion of their job and certainly the success of their job um, has to do with being able to effectively, you know, persuade someone to understand what you're bringing to the table or what the solution is that you want to, to try um, in, in, the, in the circumstance. So it's, it's communication and then the level of persuasiveness, I would say. And um, when I look back further into, you know, my education, when, as, as an architect where I started my career, um, one of the things I've always said about the greatest values of an architectural education is that you learn to present. You learn to present your ideas, you learn to present your work product, you learn to stand in front of a room, albeit a small one or a large one. Um, and that's something that I think is missing from a lot of other undergraduate programs that is incredibly strong um, in the architecture world. I agree with you, having gone through that myself. <laughs> Completely see where you're coming from. One other thing that I think is also really important as a leader is to demonstrate the ethical and professional standards that are out there. That's That's been really important in, in my career is to be able to show people uh, as our organizations, you know, people come in, they, they're newly hired or they're transferred from another group, being able to set those standards and, and live those standards and demonstrate to people that are looking up at you, that's the best way to demonstrate what the ex expectations are and, and people take their cues from your leadership style. And especially in real estate when there's a lot of competition and a lot of pressure to perform and getting to certain results and you have a lot of two sides of the table, you're, you're negotiating and it gets, it gets tough. To me, especially in real estate, it's really very critical as a leadership attribute to be able to demonstrate those professional ethical standards that people pick up on. And you know, I was very, very fortunate in Hewlett Packard and Hewlett Packard Enterprise to be at a place that, that was kind of generally expected, but you know, it, it really is, is incumbent on every single leader to demonstrate that because you know, the, com the company may have that culture, but unless you literally show that uh, to your organization day to day, uh, then it doesn't have much meat behind it, and, and that has a huge impact on people within the group. Absolutely. Michael, can you talk about some ways how you've kind of cultivated these qualities with both you and your team? Sure. Um, you know, I think it's two pieces. Um, one of them is, is just the most basic of all, which is leadership by example. Um, it is just impossible, I think if we all look at, look at our careers, as however long or short they may have been, and we look at our managers, um, the, the common characteristic of what I'm sure everyone would pick out as the good manager was someone who kind of practiced what they preached and who rolled up their sleeves with the team when that's what it took to do. Um, you know, and I think that's just a huge aspect of this, which is just being out there and 
you know, a word that I'll use maybe that kind of is sort of an, an umbrella word to a lot of what we're talking about is being authentic. And I heard that a lot, in fact, um, during the um, CRE awards selection process, and I heard that a lot um, at the awards themselves, was about the authenticity that um, people heard in what we wrote or what we said, and that that was very powerful to them. And, and I really do believe that if you're not credible, uh, you just can't move the needle at all. And the best way to do that is just really to be to relate to your team, to consider it a team and not an I kind of a situation, um, and just do what it takes. That makes a lot of sense, and I totally am on the same page. Bill, do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, just back to uh, the point we made about communication, for instance, being able to understand somebody's you know, it's very powerful when you uh, invite somebody to a meeting, let's say you're going to, to meet with a senior leader, you invite somebody along with that and, and you allow them to observe and see the dynamic, kind of relieved of pressure of having to perform. But then as you come out of that meeting, they see how it goes doing very specific debrief with them on let's, let's break that down and see how that works. And so they can see the mechanics of how you would react to certain conversation and how you, you know, what, what are the ways in which you you know, turn back and, and uh, reflect back the language that you heard. And then they can see it and then immediately have a plan to give them the opportunity the next time they're the ones, you know, performing that, uh, the, the leadership in, in that meeting. To me, those are just practical ways to get people comfortable observing, break it down, give them learning about that so it's not just uh, through osmosis, that you are actually proactively talking about it, then give them a very quick chance to, to actually practice that. Those are kind of really nice and I've found people so appreciate the thoughtfulness of there's that simple step process to get them comfortable, to see it demonstrated and then go feel like they can confidently go into a senior leader and, and hold their own. Yeah, I think that's a really, really great point. I think one thing that's really impactful that I hope both of you both realize is that you're incredible mentors to the real estate community, which is obviously why you are both awarded this great honor. But I'm wondering who were some of your more significant mentors, and if you could each possibly talk about one. Um, Bill, maybe we could start with you. Well, I guess, you know, not strictly mentors, but, you know, and I alluded it, uh, to it a little bit uh, uh, during the, the gala, was this, the, some of the senior leaders like Mark Hurd or Meg Whitman, you know, I just learned a lot. I've, obviously, there's a pressure situations when you're talking to people like that, and you gain a lot of insight into how they run a business and how they, what are the things they need to uh, affect in their business strategy, and then connecting up how you can use real estate to help drive that. And it was just a lot of learning from them in particular, and they were both quite willing to work, to understand real estate enough to, to work with you to, to figure out how to, to use that as a lever to impact the business. And just, I gained a lot of perspective on how to blend what we're doing and all the mechanics of real estate and doing transactions or lease management or projects or any, all the things we do, how to, how to really ultimately get that driven to serving a business interest and, and solving business problems. And so that, that and, and many other senior leaders, but in particular because of their oversight and the, the business, their, their strategic kind of natural strategic intelligence, um, and being able to use that and build that into real estate thinking within our team and bringing that to, to impact the business. That, that's had a lot of impact on my career and, and, and just my growth as a, as a leader uh, helping the business uh, succeed through real estate. Michael, who's someone who really impacted your career? There are a lot of people. Um, when I think back at, you know, at things from 
high school, through college, through internship, through um, my corporate real estate career. And I'm going to speak to two people who um, were two professors of mine um, in undergrad who were also husband and wife. And why I'm using them as an example, and first of all, they're people I've been thinking a lot about lately. Unfortunately, they both passed away in the last few years. But they were truly special people to me in that they've, what I learned from them and observing them was really about becoming a whole person and a whole professional. It wasn't just about how do you lead a team or how do you design something or how do you develop a solution for something. But it was more about how do you blend your work life with your personal life um, in a positive and productive way as opposed to letting one consume the other. It was a, about um, the importance of family as a support structure. It was about having an incredible passion for what you do. And these two individuals, um, they had, one was an architect, one was a landscape architect. They had 10 children. And the furthest any of the children got from architecture was, one was an art therapist. And um, three of their children, the last three were actually students of mine um, when I was a TA. And it's watching them interact as a, as a kind of a collective just was tremendous for me. I've learned from them, and they're very different people. I've learned from one to be a very strong leader when, that took, when that's what it took. Um, from the other, I learned what it was like to be a very compassionate leader and a, and a soft-spoken leader. And, and then I've learned when, you know, how do you turn the dials for the right combination for a situation, or at least I think I've figured out how to do it in, in at least most situations. I'm sure I miss, miss occasionally, but hopefully I'm getting it more right than I am getting it wrong. You're clearly doing something right. It depends on the day of the week, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those two individuals were, would be, were very significant mentors for me. Um, you know, I can look at other people, um, who may have influenced a particular aspect of my career or who I am today. But um, with Jaime and Esme, it was very much a um, kind of a more holistic piece and over a very intense year period. Were there any specific impactful insights that they shared with you? I think one of them would be focus. And it's something that I probably still struggle with today, but it's something that I spend time really thinking about in everything that I do, which is it's very easy for all of us to take on a lot of different things. And, and there are times where that may sort of seem like a badge of honor. But what I learned from them um, back at that point and then have seen prove itself out time and time again is that you really need to focus on what's most important and prioritize other things, lower down the totem pole, if you will, in order to move the needle. And when I've sat down to think about, okay, how do I wanna prioritize this? What is really important versus what do I think is important? Um, and I've put the effort in, then I've seen the results. That's fantastic, that's really helpful. And in the role that I have now, which is a global role with teams really in a lot of different places with client requirements, team requirements, corporate leadership requirements, it would be very easy to 
become distracted by all the things which come across my desk on any given day. Um, so focus is way up there. Michael, that's fantastic. Thank you. Bill, is there something specific you could point to that you learned from either of your mentors? Uh, well, I, I, I had a manager that was super great at uh, communication and being able to help uh, improve my style in, in, in working with, within somebody's um, frame of reference again and, and working on your narrative to be thoughtful about what you're trying to communicate. It's basically kind of telling a story, right? Being intentional about your narrative and it has a beginning, a middle, and an end and it should flow very naturally. You should see the arc of whatever you're trying to communicate. And that you want to provide just enough information to support each of those themes, if you will, as you build the story. And it was just a very impactful way for me to be more effective uh, and, and thoughtful, again, about the audience. And every, every audience is unique. Even if you have the same message, you have to be thoughtful about your audience. And, and to be able to just be intentional about thinking through how they would receive it and how that narrative might change a little bit to be more responsive for their, for their point of view and uh, just you know, provide just enough information to prove the point and, and then move through your, your narrative. And, and that's been a very effective way for me to com you know, communicate some, some very technically you know, complicated things sometimes. And a lot of what my role has been is just trying simplifying things that are complex and boil it down to things that are just the most meaningful for whomever you're talking to. Talking to. And, and uh, that's just really, uh, we can get wrapped up in the real estate nature of things often, and just being able to boil it down to some of the essentials. For me personally, it's been really helpful for me to get clarity on my own thought and, and to be able to help walk through, uh, walk complicated things uh, through, uh, through, through other people, uh, you know, to make sure that they, they understand what, uh, what you're trying to get at. Absolutely, that's helpful. Thank you both. Those are two very concrete things that I think our listeners will appreciate. Let's talk a little bit about challenges. Obviously, both of you have had very successful careers, but I think it would be naive to assume that you've had no challenges along ne the way. Never any challenges. Been to smooth sailing for however many years that I don't want to admit. <laughs> um, so, Michael, would you like to start talking about maybe a challenge that you encountered and how you faced it? In the time that I've been in corporate real estate, I've worked for three really three very different firms. And I would talk about the different challenges collectively that I that you would have in each of the type of firms they were at their stage of development. Uh, so for me, um, I get bored very easily and not having a new challenge uh, is something that doesn't work real well for me. So if I look at these three firms where I have really had wonderful experiences, um, very different experiences, but equally positive. I, I look at the, the character of the firm and the, the kind of category of challenge is quite different. So for the first 10 years, um, I was with a company that was a startup in the corporate real estate space. And I think I was employee number seven or eight. And when we, I left, we were about 300 people and we were national, um, having previously just been with one office when I started. And there it was about selling who we were. It wasn't just about um, bringing forth an idea, bringing forth a, a concept, competing in an RFP format the way many of us compete now. But it was really more about how do we snap their heads back? How do we get them to understand what this smaller 
you know, scrappy company um, can deliver for them. So it was a very different approach of how we had to prove ourselves. Um, from there, I went to really a company that's one of the, what I would say, industry hallmarks um, of you know, large corporate real estate firms. And, and there it was, how do you convince customers that you um, can still give it the personal attention? that they're not going to be lost in the shuffle, um, that we're still nimble enough to be responsive to changes in that company's business. And then more recently, you know, I've been with a company that, while having the, the global scale of one of the top tier, um, has sort of new, been new, somewhat newly minted through, through mergers and acquisitions. And here, you know, it's been about a variety of, of, of different things, um, more so than the other two, or different from the other two. Um, you know, here we're trying to kind of break a new ground. We're trying to show that we are truly different, and not just speaking about it, but the challenge is always how do you demonstrate differentiation? And, you know, I can think of probably next to zero conversations I've had with corporate real estate executives where at some point in the conversation they didn't ask, so how are you different than the other guys? And it's the obvious question. Um, it's just not an easy one always to answer. And I have really taken the philosophy with this particular challenge to not want our answer to be an answer, to have, but have an answer, have the answer be an action. You know, we want people to feel that we're different. We want people to experience a very different um, interaction with us. And so it's been a very different approach to my day-to-day -day business of how do I convince someone of X, Y, or Z. That makes a lot it's of sense. It's been fun. been a lot of fun. few challenges. <laughs> yes. And challenging. That's great. Bill, what about you? Well, yeah, it's interesting uh, on the corporate real estate side, you know, a lot of parallels with that. You would think, oh, it's just, it's one company, but uh, actually if you've been in a place long enough, you, you get to experience a lot of differences within that company. And that, that is in particular, it's, a, it's an extra flavor of challenge in that you're still the quote unquote same company, but the company's going through an evolution and sometimes very hard for people to pick up on the change. Where are those inflection points where you gotta move from a growth to more stability or even reduction, you know, savings, consolidation. And that's a, a huge part of the challenge I see in corporate real estate is anticipating, ideally anticipating, or at worst, and reacting quickly to these changes in inflection points because real estate's such a long lead uh, asset class and actions that you, you do need to, anticip anticipation is a huge part of the game and getting ahead of that as much as possible and convincing everybody inside the company that you need to be different because you haven't moved companies where it's a different different culture, you're kind of got quote unquote the same culture and the same issues but you can see the company's changing and really needs to, to do things a different way and that's kind of inducing that need for change is a big part of it. You know, I think one of the, the very uh, big changes when Mark Hurd showed up in, I think, 2006 it was, and he had a very operational mindset, very tightly managed, and that was a big change for the corporation. And he was all about trying to really understand your, the business deeply, understanding the P&L, uh, and, and how you know, every part of the company could, could uh, drive more efficiency. And that was a, a big change. And, you know, for, from from him, I, I particularly learned kind of the discipline of, of really understanding all of your strategies and, and, a, and a very discreet plan 
and how to be as objective as possible. He threw out some very aggressive goals. Some of the pe some people would have said that they were unreasonable or, or or just too aggressive. But when you when you break that down and rather than react to it and just break down the facts of what the choice points are or what the options are, give as much facts as you can, people can come to the, to the right conclusion rather than trying to push back or deny what the, what the requests are. It's you know, accommodating it, uh, providing the facts around the trade-offs that might be there, and just kind of walking through in a very organized fashion. It, it's, it was ultimately quite successful in, in, in walk, walking him through you know, where, where he wanted to end up on the continuum of choices and, and repercussions. And you know, it's, it's tough to get an organization to, to just not resist, but to kind of go with it and use their skill set to offer up alternatives and, and position the choices. And that was um, you know, a huge challenge for us because it was a, you know, amazing, it was a, it was a cost per person kind of a, uh, a objective. And people looked at that and thought it was crazy and it couldn't be done. But we got, uh, we, we got there and we got there through a you know, methodical set of conversations, uh, walking through what are, the, what are those choice points. And so you know, that was a great lesson for the team to help transition from kind of a growth mode to uh, one of trying to, to drive a lot more efficiency. For comp uh, to be more competitive, so that was that was a, a great challenge, but a, a great success, I think, in the end for us. At any point, did you kind of disagree with the direction it was going, or kind of have hesitation about like? <laughs> sure, I mean, you always kind of you know you always wonder, you know, uh, how how it's all going to work out, or what the uh, do, do people fully understand those trade offs? That's a big part of it. People, you know, I think a lot of the, the resistance is people just put something out there, a goal without. You're just figuring that there will be no collateral damage, there will be no no issues with it. And the reality, of course, there are, and you just have to uh, methodically kind of go through what those are and trust that if you can explain it, people will get it and, 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 and help you make those trade-offs uh, by understanding what the, what the implications are. But yeah, it's, it's, a lot of it is convincing internally how that's relevant or why that won't uh, create undue, undue problems. And, uh, it's a lot of that is convincing in, internally in the team, other senior leaders or other members of your team, that there's a way to do it. Unless our job is to help the company navigate what the best uh, aggregate decisions would be. Excellent, and I feel like, as you mentioned, at the end of the day, it turned out you know the best for the company. Yeah, by getting all those people. people it's so hard when you put out such dramatic stretch goals. Sometimes people are kind of used. Some people are not so up for the challenge, they kind of like doing the same thing, but um, and doing it well, but not th th those challenges are tough uh, for, for folks. But when you can convince them that not only is it possible, but it, there's some, a lot of goodness that can come out of it if you do it right, then people can get on board. Well, and I think you know that also pivots into a learning ex experience, not only for you, but your team, and how they can kind of transition that into another time down the road. Yeah, absolutely. People ultimately see the opportunity in it. Fantastic. What do you think are the most significant factors that are going to transform corporate real estate? And we can start with whoever wants to start first this time. Well, I can uh, start, and you know, to me, one of the things that I think will be uh, happening more and more is, is these, these, uh, the barriers reducing between the supplier side of the industry and the end user side. And to mature as an industry, having a better appreciation for what skill sets and point of view and expertise service providers provide and the same skill sets and uh, expertise that corporate 
real estate uh, teams have and, and a better appreciation over time for what each group brings and how do you leverage the best of both to create a better business outcome at the end of the day because again it's you're trying to affect business outcomes and to me the, the more these partnerships mature and get more strategic and more appreciative and basically almost exploitive of the, the qualities that each of the teams have and the focus each, each of those teams have, the more impactful it will be for um, impacting business change. And so I just see that continuing to change and the industry maturing and people getting better at understanding, um, not just their own, I understand my corporate real estate world, I understand my company, but understanding suppliers as well, understanding service providers and you know how they're structured and what, what they're really good at. What we, what we can trust them to do well and what corporate real estate leaders need to maintain and, and do well themselves. And there's a great, um, great connection and, and, uh, and uh, you know, synergy between those. And, and it's, it's continuing to grow. And, and I think, frankly, our Northern California chapter is one of the best places to advance this because it's so collegial, it's so collaborative and there's just a lot less of those barriers than in other places around the world. And I think we're in a particularly great place to, to exert some leadership in the industry to, to demonstrate how well you know, true partnerships can run. Well, and I think we've even seen, I mean, yourself included, people kind of going back and forth between those two groups. Yeah, I think, and the more of that, the better. And that's, that's something I'd, I, I encourage anybody on wherever they start to get some experience. You don't necessarily have to move into the comp another company or, or quote unquote the other side, but I, I do think you know having a mentor, for instance, if you're a corporate end user, having a mentor that's, that's a service provider. It's one that might not be in your direct line of business so that you don't have that dynamic, but just somebody that's you know, in the industry that's got a different point of view. And vice versa, people that are service providers having a, a corporate real estate uh, uh, mentor that they don't necessarily have business with. It's not just a, a subtle ploy to, to get, build a relationship <laughs> and get business, but you're really trying to learn more. And the more, I think, uh, both uh, people, whatever the background, the more they can understand the, you know, the, the capabilities, the pressures, the, 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 the opportunities and the limitations that you know, each company has in, in its place in the real estate industry, I think would just be better collectively working, working as teams. Um, and again, this is in, in the interest of affecting business outcomes at the end of the day. And, and the real estate industry still has room to grow to become more impactful at the C-suite and be more right up there with HRIT as being central to the thinking about how to run a business. And so I think we have great opportunity to continue to drive more effective partnerships uh, as both corporate real estate organizations get more effective and service provider organizations get a lot more effective. But figuring out how to blend those two things together is even more powerful. Yeah, I think that's really great advice for our listeners. Thank you. Michael, what are your thoughts on how there are big changes coming to corporate real estate? Well, I would, um, thinking about the future um, has me immediately think about sort of what my, one of my biggest passions is right now in the industry, and that is developing the next generation of talent. And if we think about this, the pace of change, in everything, you know, if you just look at basic Moore's law in technology and apply it to real estate, um, and you can see parallels that the pace of change in our industry is is incredibly dramatic, and I think therefore it's all it's 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 more important now than probably any time, you know, historically to really proactively work on the development of the next generation of talent, and I think. In many industries, it's not done terribly well. Um, in 
the dynamic within our industry, there's an additional challenge, and if it ties into some of what Bill just talked about, which is as people are moving from one piece side to the other, if you will, and much as I hate to use the word side, but from one part of our business to another part of our, our industry, um, then how do they get all of the benefit of what they need to get to that next level in whatever they decide their career path is going to be. So with there not being as linear a career path as perhaps used to be in the 1950s and 60s and 70s where you went up a vertical ladder if you were successful and you either got to the top or some point along the way you fell off. <laughs> but I see in our industry a much more, a much more of a matrix um, um, or um, a lattice work, if you will, rather than a ladder, in that you can make parallel moves that teach you about and give you experience in other disciplines within corporate real estate. And then you eventually become, when you get back to the vertical that you were on, if that's what you choose to do, you're that much more valuable to your firm, you're that much more well-rounded as a professional, and that's what it's going to take to be successful in the next generation of our industry. I mean, I firmly believe that not only are the service provider and end user lines blurring, but facilities management and project management and transactions and real estate strategy, that's a continuum. And it's not a series of verticals or point solutions or whatever you want to call them. Um, and even our own firm, we have something in our firm where we have a hub um, of several hundred people who are cross-trained across multiple disciplines um, and provide a certain level of service to a subset of our clients. And what I've seen there is just tremendous because it's not the typical training and experience that a real estate service provider has, um, but it is what they need to be successful go forward. And I think that it's incumbent upon all of us who've had um, a long and or successful career in our industry to look back and to invest some time and energy into, into building the future. Um, so it's something that's important to me, again, whether it's through formal mentorship programs or informal career coaching or just providing challenges you know, letting people challenge themselves and letting them stretch themselves um, for people who are perhaps more junior members of our teams or our clients' teams or what have you. That's great advice. Um, and it dovetails really nicely with the next topic, which is what advice would you like to share with emerging professionals? Uh, Michael, do you want to start since you're already kind of on a roll? Sure, um, I can do that. Very simple, never stop learning. It's the day that you stop learning, or I'll put it to me, the day that I stop learning something new in what I do at work is the day that I, for me, should be the day before I retire. Um, I, I just, there is just so much happening and it's exciting. And the more um, the perspectives we have on something, the better. Um, when I look at, um, I don't mean for this to sound like a shameless plug for the MCR program, but I'm going to um, speak to it. Um, I was speaking with actually one of our brokers last night at our holiday party who um, is at a fairly advanced place in his career. He's been in the industry as a broker for north of 30 years. And he is going through the MCR program now. And what he has said to me is that it's making him a better broker in that he's learning about things that 
not that he's going to go do them necessarily. He's not going to become a workplace consultant. He's not going to become, you know, an outsource provider. But when he is speaking that that language with clients, and when the clients are speaking it, he can have a much more, you know, um, intelligent conversation with them um, about those aspects of our industry that haven't been part of his his daily diet, if you will. Um, when I did my MCR, which was relatively late in my career, I probably finished it about five years ago. Um, for me, having been doing what I was doing for 20 some years, but it was always in the outsourcing space, not in the transaction space, some very basic things um, were were good learnings for me. And how to read a lease, you know, how to do, you know analyze a financial statement, um, those were things that I just didn't do in my career. That I'm sure there are some 22-year-olds so who have done it every day for the last year, but in my career, it just wasn't what I was doing. So getting the benefit of those other aspects, um, probably a, a harder way to do it is to get the experience from multiple roles in multiple types of companies. Um, the easier way and to get exposed to it is something like the MCR program. So um, I think that that's, that's really important. Um, and the other thing I would say is to build a great network. And maybe that is something that weaves together a few of the things that I've said, but it's really important. Um, it's, it's great when things are going well for you and that you have people to share your successes with. Um, you know, inevitably, at some point in, in one's career, you're looking to make a change proactively or less so reactively, hopefully. Um, but that network um, will help you. Um, again, it will expose you to other aspects of the business than what you're doing on a day-to-day on a -day basis. And frankly, it just makes it a lot more fun and less stressful when you have people to go to that you trust and that you enjoy spending time with that understand what you may be going through on a given project or with a given manager or job search or whatever it may be. Fantastic, thank you. Bill, I have a feeling you might have some advice to emerging professionals that you'd like to share. Yeah, it's a, one of the, one of the, one of my comments would be uh, related to what Michael was saying is is just actively seeking out insights in other parts of the industry, and that could be like an MCR kind of class or other professionals or mentors, like I talked about before, just seeking out people that are outside your normal expertise. We all need to develop certain expertise and core, and you need to go deep on that. But I'd also encourage people to have enough breadth in understanding if you're a project manager, understanding enough about the leasing, if you're a strategy person, understanding enough about FM, just to, to be conversant generally. You don't have to be an expert in these areas, but to be at least conversant enough, you're just more valuable having a perspective across the full scope of our industry to, to relate things. A lot of what I've personally seen is, is the value I've brought is to be able to help translate and connect things. Uh, within the business or from across the industry and, and put things together that people weren't looking at. They were looking at, you know, just the project management aspect of, of it. And, and the more you're capable, at least at reaching out and knowing enough to who's the expert that I could reach out and th to know that there might be a connection on something. I think that's, that really leverages your value a great deal for any organization uh, that you're a part of. Uh, and the other thing I would say is, is really strong advice is always be looking for what's the ultimate business outcome you're trying to affect. We all get wrapped up in the transaction or the project or the outcome of just that as a, as a, as a thing that, that has to be the focus. That's fundamentally what we're delivering. But you always want to make sure you understand 
uh, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate uh, business uh, issue that's trying to be solved, and always testing against what is is, is what I'm creating going to be uh, so, so solving that problem. Because um, again, you, uh, you get so many people that are really focused on, on the product itself, the real estate, they forget about the, uh, the ultimate outcome uh, that they're, they're trying to affect. And that, that always helps you maintain that kind of consistent perspective on what you're trying to do and just test along the way that it's still uh, going to be solving that problem. Because it could be a, a great real estate outcome, but if it doesn't solve the business problem, <laughs> you've missed the mark. And that's, um, you know, for you to be aware of that and course correct and get it back on track and admit that is very valuable uh, for, for a team. Absolutely. So obviously, both, have, both of you have played a pretty large role in Cornet. Could you each speak a little bit about how your involvement has impacted your career? Maybe, Bill, would you like to start? Well, yeah. I mean, it's had a huge impact on my career. Um, I have just gained so many new relationships uh, from Cornet. Um, as I started to get in, and, and I kind of jumped in, you know, more actively, you know, f uh, into a leadership role in, within the chapter, and that just, you know, mushroomed into a lot of other ex exposure to people. And one of the things I love about Cornet is that you get to interact with people on a more meaningful level in, outside your your immediate frame of reference. So you have your job, and you have your immediate contacts, your immediate team, and your immediate relationships, and getting the work done. But you get such great interactions with people outside that strict world that you've, you're, you're in. And that just gives you a whole different perspective on the industry, on what's happening out there, what other people are doing that you wouldn't naturally come across. I mean, you can always pick up the phone on any given day and try to call somebody, but it's just harder if you don't have that relationship. And Cornet, for me, has given me such a, a great access to a lot of wonderful people that just listening to them, uh, you know, being aware of what they're doing, having conversations with them, has has just uh, enriched you know what I've been responsible for uh, in almost every interaction, uh, and I've just gained a tremendous amount of that. It's helped me kind of put our work in perspective, the work that I'm doing personally, the work that our team's doing. It gives you a better perspective. How are we doing? Are we doing enough? There's another group that's doing something else that really challenges us to up our game or even the confidence that what we're doing is pretty good. You know, that, that has been really helpful to understand. And so I think it's um, really helped, helped build a, a confidence in me personally and in our team that we're on the right track or identify areas of things that we should be doing better, could be doing better, and, and some of the, the people that are great resources to talk to to um, help you get there. So to me, it's, uh, it's really opened up a tremendous amount of learning um, you know, great friendships too, uh, and uh, you know, just it's really helped me technically get to be a, a more effective uh, leader within within uh, within the company. Fantastic! And Michael, I know you were talking in the previous question a little bit about networking. Do you want to talk about your role in Cornet and how it's impacted your career? Absolutely. So I think it's I think it touches on two two things that I've said already, and I'll elaborate on the networking piece, but. It's the learning aspect of it and the networking piece. And I have been, in for most of my career, in business development roles. So the networking was an important part of my job, quite frankly. Um, but I did something that's fairly atypical in a business development role, which is I moved markets. And I was very active in both the Connecticut chapter and the New York chapter, and then moved to Northern California. Um, at a place where I wasn't sort of at a startup level in my career, 
but I was becoming startup level in a new major market. So um, Cornet just erased any issue whatsoever that I had with that. Um, you know, there was, you know, you had all these kind of fear, fear of failure and, and risk and all sorts of other things that go through your mind. But meeting the people that I met through Cornet and becoming involved, it's not enough to just show up. Um, it's about being committed. When I came out here in 2009, um, I had a fairly high, you know, sense of fear of failure. What would happen? Um, it was an interesting time in the kind of global economic markets. Um, I was moving across country um, with my company and, and with my family, and I really had to think about a lot of different things in not just making the decision to make the move, but how I conducted myself and how I started to deliver against the kind of commitments I was making to my firm. So um, Cornet was instrumental in that for me. In fact, looking back, uh, I can't imagine that I could have expected it to have been such a positive experience, um, where within a very short period of time, I felt like no one looked at me as someone that had just arrived. Um, I was active in the chapter. I was on the program committee. Um, from there, I became Bill's EVP um, and um, president-elect for the chapter. And through all of the things that I did during those years, I was suddenly and one of you know the, the people in the market um, representing their global company. And... I said something about this to someone over a cocktail or something recently, and they said, well, what do you mean? And they had no idea that I had only been here for, I guess it's now eight years. Um, they assumed I had grown up in the Bay Area and that this was the market I've worked in since I had gotten out of college. And I don't put that on me. I put that on what the chapter did to help me. Just absolutely give the credit there. I would have to give a plug to your involvement, though. I think that is a key piece of Cornet. You can't just kind of show up once in a while. It's really the fully involved. Well, like anything in life, you get out of it what you put in, and I really firmly believe that. You know, one of my favorite kind of funny quotes is um, from a meatloaf song, um, which is, you know, there ain't no Coupe de Ville at the bottom of a Cracker Jack box. And it's a funny line, but I truly believe it. You've got to get in. You've, it's effort. Um, there's luck. Um, I know, you know I don't want to sound insensitive to people who worked hard and have still struggled with some things in their life or their career because that happens. So there's a bit of luck in anything. Um, but you're not going to find the luck if you don't put the effort in and, and just be part of something. I just don't know how to do it any other way. If someone else has another way, then I'd like to listen to their podcast. <laughs> That's fantastic. Going out on a quote from Meatloaf is, is, is I was just going to say, <laughs> how else could we possibly end besides a Meatloaf quote? I think we should get some Meatloaf music in here. <laughs> well, we can, we can all sing Paradise by the Dashboard Light if we want to. Like, obviously, Cornette has had a big impact on both of your careers. Um, and I know, you know, everybody on the leadership committee was really excited that you are both being honored this year. Um, I'm wondering if each of you could maybe talk about, you know, what receiving this honor has meant to you. Uh, Michael, maybe you could start. 
you know, the word that kept coming to mind as I was working on my you know, comments for a Friday night's award um, ceremony and um, just every time I think about it is, you know, it's humbling. Um, going back to the chapter, when I, when I look at the people in our chapter, what they've accomplished, what commitments they've made to Cornette over the years, um, it, it's at, at some level is hard to imagine that I was standing up there. Um, so it's very meaningful for me. I think I had probably said to more than one person that you know Friday, um, Friday night was probably the most significant night of my career, and they give that to not to me, but to the chapter. It meant just was it meant that much to me to have been honored by people that I hold in such high regard. Yeah, for me, a very similar experience. I mean, the, the, the gratification you get really stems from who's giving you, providing that recognition and the, the amount of respect I have for the people. I mean, there are, there's so many skilled people in that room that really understand the real estate industry, but it goes, for, for me personally, it goes well beyond that. These are really, really good people that, are, that really spend a lot of time uh, developing strong and, and honest authentic um, friendships as well, trying to help each other progress in our careers honestly. And it's, to me, it's a rare thing that you have a group that's, that's so giving of their time and their expertise and wanting the best for everybody. Uh, even you know people that are kind of competitors in corporations or competitors in service providers. They're, we're very fortunate in, in Northern California in particular, I think Cornet in general, but Northern California in particular, have people that are as, as genuinely invested in our community. And to get that group of people to recognize you in any regard, to me, that's, that's what was so special about receiving this, this recognition. That and it's a great party. And it's a darn good party. It was a good party. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you both so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for giving us this opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks so much to both of you for being here today. It's been an honor to spend this time with you. Listeners, we'd love to keep this conversation going and want to hear what's on your mind. Please share your thoughts and comments on our LinkedIn page under the post for this episode. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast for 2018, please let us know ASAP as opportunities will be limited. If you like the podcast, please be sure to tell your friends and subscribe to us on iTunes or however you get your podcasts. As we structure our programs for 2018, we'd love to find out what you're interested in. If you have something specific that you'd like to hear, please send us your ideas on any of our social media outlets or our website. I'm Melissa Pacey, and thanks again for listening.